like uh, Robin's, they have a certain song that they sing in the springtime. And that, that song is sung in, in the early mornings or in the evening. And they only seem to sing that in, in the springtime. But this particular bird this morning was singing um, on the day after Christmas, his springtime song. He was confused, you know. I don't blame him. I, I'm confused as well. It's nice and warm. You got to enjoy the warm weather. Yesterday it was so, so calm. You know, outside warm and cold, and there wasn't any cars. The noise of the, the, the normal world happening wasn't there. No wind, just a really nice day. But our bodies are also confused with the warm weather and the cold weather. So some of us are, are not feeling well, and uh, not a whole lot of folks here today. You know, it takes me back to, um, you know, a place where there wasn't necessarily room for Jesus. The first Christmas. You know, there may have been a lot of folks in the town, the best I am. It may have been packed so that there was no room, but Jesus found room. No room at the inn. Last week we talked about the shepherd. And the shepherds, they came to see the baby Jesus, the Messiah. And they, they found him where his mother and Joseph, his father, had decided to have him. And it wasn't the place that they originally wanted to have him, because there was no room, there was no lodging. I want to, uh, for a second ask you to step outside of this world. I want to explain something. And, and first, let's, uh, let's pray just momentarily. Father God, I thank you for this time where we can study your word. I thank you for Christmas, for these folks that are here. I thank you for the scripture that you have given us so that we can know who you are, God. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> So imagine the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are outside of time. We know this. God created time. God created the world. And so as the Father and Son and Holy Spirit are in the place where they are, you know, how do we explain that? Maybe up in the sky, uh, that's what we tend to think, but what does that even mean? God created the sky. And so the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are in their place. And they're looking in on the world, the earth that they created. Now what does that look like? Again, I don't know. There's no way that we can understand what that looks like because we're not the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But if I were to imagine just for a second what it might be like, maybe it would be something like this. It would be a small ball that was created by God spinning in a horrible mess. Just a crash of... The world, 
spinning, because they're outside of time, right? Mm -hmm. They don't know what time is like. God created the earth, and, and when he created, he took one of them timers, so that the timer starts going, because the earth only has a certain amount of time. It has an expiration date. And so when he started that timer, the earth started to spin, and stuff inside of it started to deconstruct. And as they're watching it, because they're outside of time, compared to eternity, time must be crazy. God, God looks at the Holy Spirit and says, it's boy, things inside of that are not going well. Holy Spirit's like, you're telling me. And he looks at Jesus and said, the people that I created inside there, in our image, they're not doing so well. Jesus, yeah, God, it's true. God says, man, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do about it? And he looks to Jesus. He says, Son, you're going to have to go in there and fix things. I don't know, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, and there, God, I'm not going to fit. There's no room for me in there. God, that would be impossible. Oh, right, we're... For God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Nothing is impossible with God. Okay. And so God sends Jesus into that spinning ball of mess that we live in right now, that we are experiencing. He sends Jesus in there. No room. He sends Jesus to Mary. I guess there was room in, in Mary for a little bit. Oh, what, nine months there was room? And there wasn't room anymore. Jesus had to leave Mary. And then he was in a Bethlehem for a, a time till there wasn't room in Bethlehem anymore. And then some fellows visit him in the east. Far off east. And, uh, you know, Jesus is probably too young to, to know these fellas from the East. I don't know. Maybe the baby Jesus still knew things. We don't know. Um, but he is a baby. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come to you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. 
Now we've got to look at a few characters in here. And let's start with King Herod. King Herod. This fella is bloodthirsty. He is violent. And might I add that Herod is such a coward that he is scared to death of anyone who might challenge him. Scared to death. He will not fight fair. Written historical accounts state that Herod killed his favorite wife. I don't understand that. Her name was Mary. He also killed his two sons because one day he decided he didn't want them to have the kingdom. So he knocked them off. I don't have enough bad things to say about this fella. What a worthless... Oh. So anyway, the wise men. The wise men, they're looking for the newborn king of the Jews. Herod, deeply disturbed because, well, basically, there's only room for one sheriff in these here parts. And Herod likes to think of himself as king of the Jews. And there's not room for two king, kings of the Jews. Now we, we need to look into the, the, the difference between uh, Jesus and Herod, the, the two kings that are at battle here, if we could say so. There's a difference between light and darkness. In this situation, Jesus, but we say in all situations, Jesus is the light and represents the light. And Herod, Herod, the darkness, the darkness. 2 Corinthians, it's important for us to know, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? And check this out. How can light live with darkness? How can it? It cannot. It cannot. John chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Light and darkness cannot coexist. They do not mix and they do not go together. It's like oil and water. You can put them together, and one will rise to the top. Jesus is the light. So Herod, Herod must have some inclination. Uh-oh, light and darkness can't coexist, and he is scared. Herod is scared. What's he going to do? What is Herod going to do? Well, he consults the leading priests and teachers of the religious law. Uh, where is the king? Where is the king, he asked them. Uh, why does he ask the priests and the teachers? Well, because Herod is evidently not a real Jew. If he was, then he would probably know what the scriptures say. But he probably wasn't paying attention in a Jewish class when he was a boy because he was too busy thinking about himself. Even if he, even if he went to Jewish class as a boy, his uh, upbringing 
was a combination of Jewish and, uh, and Gentile and pagan. So, not sure exactly what he knew, but we knew that he didn't know where the Messiah would be born. So he asked, he asked the others, hey guys, where is he going to be born? Now, uh, interesting, interesting thing, why didn't the wise men uh, know? We'll, we'll get that point, that point a little bit. But when Herod asked the, the priests, where, where's, where's the king of the Jews going to be born? They say, they say Bethlehem. They know. They study this kind of thing. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. And uh, so instead of Herod going himself to look for the baby Jesus and going and finding him, he tells the wise men to do it for him. Matthew chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 says that Herod called for a private meeting with those wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared, then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. So that I can go and worship him too. Man, you can tell that King Herod is scared here. He is scared, and he doesn't want Jesus to take over. And he is lazy because he wants the wise men to go and find out and then come back to him and he's lying. He's ready to cheat again. Like King Herod, he can't do marriage the real way. He can't get along with his wife. He can't make his wife happy. And so he has her done away with. His sons, he can't deal with his family the correct way. And so he has them done away with. And then now, he can't man up and go to see this king that's a threat to his worthless kingdom. And so he has them just go and come back and tell me. It's ready to cheat again. This is the devil working inside of Herod. The very devil being in him and working out of him. Herod was being used by Satan. John chapter 8, verse 44. For you, this is Jesus, talking to some folks who are being like Herod, not following God. You are the children of your father, the devil. You love to do evil things, the evil things that he does. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he has always hated the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Lies. Worship Jesus? Herod is not interested in worshiping Jesus. The only thing Herod wants to worship is himself. So why didn't the wise men? Why didn't the wise men know where the Messiah, was, uh, Jesus, would be born? After all, these guys, these guys are wise. And this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Do you all remember Daniel in the Old Testament? Um, Daniel is a fellow that was in the lion's den. And so uh, 
you know, in the Old Testament, we have Jeremiah. Jeremiah spoke to the Jews in Judah. And uh, then we have the Ezekiel that was the prophet. He uh, spoke to the Jewish captives in Babylon. Uh, God spoke through him. But Daniel, he served in the courts of the pagan kings, not the Jewish kings, the pagan kings, who ruled the world at that point in time, such as uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Belshazzar, Darius, Cyrus, these are the kings that Daniel uh, served under. In the second chapter of the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has a dream. And when he awakens, he is deeply troubled by the dream. Though we can't recall the details of it. I encourage you to go home and read this in the book of Daniel. Starting with chapter 2. Well, start with chapter 1, but this is out of chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar calls his wise man, the wise men, and he demands that they tell him what he dreamt. But they cannot. They can't tell him what his dream is about. But Daniel, Daniel came. And he does. He, Daniel, with the help of God, God speaking through him interprets Pharaoh's dreams, the king's dreams, uh, just as they were. And he also interprets later on the handwriting on the wall in the fifth chapter of Daniel. And there are other wise men. Wise men, by the way. Uh, these wise men are thousands thousand years before Jesus was born before the wise men came to visit Jesus. These were long before that, and they're also called wise men, magi, magi in some translations. So here Daniel is telling the king uh, everything that he needs to know, and it comes true. And the other wise men that weren't able to interpret the dream, uh, he wasn't treating them so well. Uh, some of them he, he killed off. And uh, they, the ones that survived, are fed up with Daniel because the king appoints Daniel chief over all the wise men. Chief magi. Chief uh, magician um, wise man. Because he is smart. He is wise. You know, the wise men, whether it be the ones from the time of Daniel or the ones who traveled uh, to see Jesus, um, we can say that they are wise because uh, many things they study, uh, they uh, are open to new things, and yet they don't just take on the new things as they come, but they use discernment and wisdom to know what is true. They would have studied lots of things like the stars. Uh, wise men are always learning new things and ready to understand things. So the, the stars are, are surely something that they would have studied. In Daniel's case, uh, God was on his side. So yeah, that makes him pretty wise. Daniel was a legendary wise man in Babylon whose reputation continued Long after that, Jesus mentions Daniel in the 24th chapter of Matthew. And in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, Now listen and understand. 
seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time command is given, the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. Now, uh, what did I just read? A bunch of numbers. If you were like Danny, who is not here today, then he would have calculated all that, figured out all that, what that means, and applied it with the other context and say, this is God telling Daniel exactly how many years will pass before the Messiah comes. Let me finish this scripture, verse 26. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. Wow. Here it is, folks. Here it is. Long, long before Jesus came to the earth, the anointed one will come to rebuild Jerusalem. The anointed one will be killed appearing to have accomplished nothing. I love that appearing because isn't that exactly what the folks thought after Jesus hung on the cross? Boy, they thought uh, nothing amounted to Jesus. Uh, all the folks who thought that he was coming to save the world, well, that just dead-ended their hopes. Then, three days later, Jesus came back. And he lives again. And what appeared to have been not accomplished had actually been accomplished in full. So to tie all this in together, talking about Daniel, and about uh, him being a wise man. In Matthew, text that we're working from, the wise men came from the east. From the east. In other writings, and in other places, even other places in the scripture, when it says from the east, the far east, it relates to a, a place called Parthia. Uh, Basically, the area, the region in which the city or the town of Babylon, the empire of Babylon, exists at the center of that area. Uh, here we have Babylon. Could it be, could it be that, that these wise men that come to visit Jesus are remnants from Daniel? You know, likely Daniel would have left instructions telling them exactly when they should uh, should look for the Messiah, just like we just read. And then he would. Uh, how would he let them know when or what sign they would get? Well, we don't get any information on that from Daniel on the sign. Um, these, these early wise men, um, Daniel and, and those who trained under him for many years, are way out in the boondocks of Babylon. Long ways away from Israel, hundreds of miles. Um, they would have had the Torah. 
first five books of the law, Jewish, and then the Torah is, is a Numbers 24, verses 15 through 17. This is another scripture that comes right after a story that you probably all know. Uh, Balaam. You remember Balaam? Balaam's, uh, Balaam's not, not the best guy ever. Um, he has the best donkey ever, though. <laughs> Verse 15. This is the message Balaam delivered. This is the message of Balaam, son of Beor. The message of the man whose eyes see clearly. The message of one who hears the words of God. Who has the knowledge from the Most High. Who sees a vision from the Almighty. Who bows down with eyes wide open. I see him. But not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise up from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. Here we have Balaam. A fellow who doesn't have the best reputation, but God speaks through him. He couldn't make his donkey mind because his donkey could see the Lord. When he couldn't. And God speaks through him at this point. He says a star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. So as, as Daniel and the other wise men, the other magi of that time period would have studied this, it would have stuck out. A star will rise. A scepter, a scepter, you see, is the thing a king has. It means he's in power. If I have a scepter here, or it would mean that I am the king, a, a star, and a king uh, simultaneously rising. So it's quite likely that this is how the wise men knew when to expect the Messiah and what to look for. A star. Looking for a star. Wise men, they, they were ready to, to see new things. And if they're looking and, and uh, you know, pouring over the sky and all their records, and they see something different. And probably God would have made it clear. But you know, probably because uh, the prophet Micah, last week we talked about Micah, he, he prophesied that the Savior will be born in Bethlehem. That's why the, the priests and the teachers of the law that Herod had on hand knew where, he would, where Jesus would be born because they had the writings of Micah. He lived, Micah lived and died so far away um, that maybe the wise men of, of Babylon would have been unlikely uh, to have had his copies of writings. And so they wouldn't have known uh, Babylon. Or, I mean, they wouldn't have known that Bethlehem was the place that we would have been born, which is why the wise men probably asked Herod, where will he be born? Wise men, likely from Babylon, the area where Daniel started out as a wise man. The main point of all this is that there is a reason that the scripture calls these fellows wise men. They study and they consider things 
they use discernment, and they do things. And the wise men, however they got their information through the Old Testament scripture and through, through uh, whatever God had revealed to them, they did something about it. They packed up their stuff, and they headed hundreds of miles to find the Messiah. Not only did they pack their normal stuff, they knew that this would be a special destination. And so they packed important things, gifts. But you know what? They are wise because of those things. But our greatest evidence, probably, that the wise men were wise is that they obeyed God rather than man. Herod told them, come back. Tell me where uh, Jesus is when you find him so that I might worship him. And God told the wise men, God told them, no, don't, don't go back to Herod. And they didn't. They obeyed God. Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. It says, After the interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. The wise men, they found Jesus, and they were filled with joy. Herod knew that the true king of the Jews couldn't occupy the same space. He was filled with the devil. He was not filled with joy, Herod. There wasn't enough room for the both of them. And so, verse 16 of chapter 2, Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him, and he sent soldiers to kill all the boys around Bethlehem, in and around Bethlehem, who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Oof. Bad deal. This is a horrible thing. Horrible deal. Again, I can't express the, the hatred that had to have been had for this man, Herod. We're reading this and can't stand the guy. Imagine what they felt for him back then. But you know what? God sent his son so that first of all, first of all, he can comfort us and give us hope when horrible things like this happen. But most important of all, he sent his son so that the evil that causes horrible things like this that we just read about to happen so that they will one day be destroyed for good. Romans chapter 16 verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Ooh, I look forward to that. The God of peace crushing Satan under your feet. It says soon, 
soon it will happen. Revelation, another scripture that I love so much, uh, chapter 20, verse 10 says, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown in the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever. And this is so deserving of the evil that causes people like Herod to do horrible things that we see in this earth that is just a mess inside of time spinning out of control. That's what happens to evil. Destroying evil is God's plan. And He will follow through with it. That's why in Matthew chapter 2, 13, that's why the, when the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with a child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod's going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with a child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Now, this right here, there is an important message for us, for our families. Uh, men, you need to be listening to God. He will likely give you instructions on how to protect your families, how to keep them safe. You must be listening to God and be ready to obey Him when He tells you to do something. And uh, women and youngins and even teenagers, sometimes it's hardest for the teenagers, when God tells the leader of your family to do something that you don't understand, understand that you may not understand. God speaks to our leaders and puts a lot of responsibility on the leaders. But he speaks to us. And you see, Joseph, God had told him, take this family away. And, well, Mary's a good woman. I'm sure she was. But I just wonder how she took that. Joseph saying, come on, woman, we're going. She's like, have a car. <laughs> We're going to walk. Ride a donkey. And that's a long way, Joseph. Are you serious? Joseph was serious. Because God called his son out. God preserved his son. Because Joseph listened to God. And because Mary went with Joseph Jesus lived and didn't get killed by Herod. God would have protected them probably anyway, but Joseph listened. And you know, Jesus didn't just live then. He lives today. It didn't seem like there was any room on earth for Jesus. Boy, there wasn't any room in the inn. There wasn't any room in Bethlehem. There wasn't any room in the country because of Herod. So they went to Egypt. The world, boy, it's such a small place when it comes to containing Jesus. 
The world itself actually can't hold Jesus. It can't hold Jesus. You know, it tried. You know the cross? It tried to hold Jesus. tried to hold him in and pull him down. And it didn't. But there is a special place. There is a place that doesn't have to be worldly. It's a place where Jesus lives today. I think that Jesus started moving into that place the day he was born. The shepherds that come to visit Jesus, they had joy. Remember the prophets right after Jesus was born? Anna and Simeon. They were joyful at the new king. His mom and his dad, Jesus, Joseph and Mary, Jesus seems to have found a place in the hearts of these wise men as well. He traveled so far, so far away from where they were at. They came and they found joy. Jesus found a place inside of their hearts. Listen, folks. No matter how far away you are from Jesus, He can still live in you. Will you seek Him? No matter where you come from, Jesus can live in you. Will you invite Him in? The wise men, they came from hundreds of miles to see Jesus. The wise men, they came from pagan empires. But yet they still sought Jesus and found a place in them. I'm reminded of, of the story of the prodigal son that our Savior told when he was, when he was teaching the folks here on earth. He said there was, a, there was a father and a son who had spent all his father's inheritance and he come back one day. Yeah. His father's arms were open wide, and his father was full of joy to receive him. Now that son probably didn't smell so good. Been living with the hogs, been living a horrible, sinful life, but he came and his father accepted him how he was and where he was. The son was ready to change, but he came from a rough place. You know, Jesus, our Savior, would you say, come from a little bit of a rough place. Though he was perfect, he was born inside of a place where animals were kept. He probably didn't smell like roses. He lived a, a life along with us, though he was perfect. And we are ministering to others. We're encouraging them to believe in our Savior, how often do we expect them to be a certain way before they come to Jesus? You know, no matter where you come from, Jesus can live in you if you invite him in. No matter what you already have occupying your heart, you can clear it out for Jesus. Will you move out all the junk in your heart and welcome Jesus in? 
wise men, they had all kinds of knowledge. And they had all the riches to distract them. But it would appear that they sought Jesus above all of them. Is there room for Jesus in your heart? Remember, light and darkness cannot occupy the same space. Have you found Jesus and are you filled with the joy like the wise men experienced? The world, it couldn't hold Jesus. So he made a place and that place is in you. If you have Jesus, the world can't hold you either. This will not be the last place that you reside. When the world's expiration date comes and it has spun itself off the bearings, it's worn out, you don't have to worry because Jesus is making a new place outside of this crazy spinning mess of a world that we have outside of time. And I, I'm looking forward to that. How about you? Father God, so grateful for what you've done for us. And I praise you for the work that you did through the wise men and the shepherds, Mary and Joseph, and all the way back to Daniel.